Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Popping off those fireworks. And Neil Potter. Crackle is the sound fireworks make, and also the free service in which is awful to watch movies <laughs> on. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, funny thing, Crackle was started, I, um, I know that you want, uh, you want a, a brief history on the streaming service Crackle, <laughs> but Crackle was started by Sony, I think it's owned by Sony, and Jerry Seinfeld. And for the longest time, <laughs> for the longest time, it was the only place that you could watch uh, Jerry, Seinf- Jerry Seinfeld's hit television show, Seinfeld. Uh, but they only had like 10 episodes like that they just rotated out, and it was just terrible. So, uh, Unsubscribe from Crackle Facts. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have been uh, removed. Uh, Neil's still on, so I, I'm just going to keep going down this list. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's actually the only crackle fact I have. So. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so let's move on to uh, part 18 of our series on Julianne Moore, where we'll be talking about the Oscar-winning movie Still Alice. Uh, it's from 2014. It is written and directed by Richard Glaster and Wash Westmoreland. Um, it stars Julianne Moore, Alec Baldwin, and Kristen Stewart. It is about a linguistics professor and her family find their bonds tested when she is diagnosed with Al- um, Alzheimer's disease. Um, as always, we will first start off with some film trivia on the movie, then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on Still Alice, then we'll leave with some final thoughts on Julianne Moore and some recommendations. So Tyler, um, you want to start us off with some film trivia? Of course. Yes. So for Still Alice, I'm going to put together four pieces of trivia for you guys, and you guys are going to have to figure out which one I have made up completely. So starting with number one. An early copy of the film was leaked as a result of the Sony computer systems hack in 2014. As a result, the film nearly had its theatrical release canceled. It was a it was released in New York City and Los Angeles to qualify for the Oscars, and it was a massive success. A wide release followed and pushed it to a total box office draw of 124 million. Number two, the movie was filmed in 23 days and out of chronological order. Number three. Alice is shown being a compulsive Words with Friends player. Alec Baldwin, who plays her husband, was notoriously booted off a plane before takeoff in 2011 because he refused to stop playing the game and power down his phone. Number four, this, this role marks the fifth consecutive character with a mental illness to win an Oscar for Best Actress. Oh. All right. Who would like to go first? Oh, never mind. I'm going to choose for you, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, oh, man. This is a tricky one. Um, I feel like so many. I feel like all of those could be untrue, but I'm going to go with the first one about the Sony hack because um, I don't know. I feel like everyone was so obsessed with that uh, North Korea that, that North Korea movie and then that like weird script about 21 Jump Street and M- Men in Black that uh, I feel like this movie w- would have just uh, uh, no one would have noticed it alright yeah. I was floating between that one and the Alec Baldwin on a plane getting booted off uh, yeah, I don't think this one would have made a splash in the pond from the Sony League, but since Ben chose that one, I'm going to go that Alec Baldwin got kicked <laughs> off a plane because bullshit Alec Baldwin got kicked off a plane. You kidding me? Oh, Neil. <laughs> Neil, Neil, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so much <What>? to learn. <laughs> 
Ben Ben seems pretty confident on this one. I think he I think he might have some external knowledge you don't have, Neil. Uh, and, and he would be correct. Uh, yes. So Ben, you are actually right for the wrong reasons. Uh, this oh, wow. the, fir- <laughs> the first one was the fake. Uh, that so it was leaked in the Sony computer system hack. Uh, but it was not almost it, that was not a reason for why it was almost canceled. It, it wasn't almost canceled. As far as I could tell, there was no change in its release schedule or anything like that. Uh, and the box office draw was not. I'm surprised neither of you guys grabbed onto the $124 million box office for oh, a Jesus. drama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, that's yeah. definitely not. Yeah, it was. It only made about fifty-five million, which was still pretty, uh, pretty great considering it had a budget of five million. So, uh, a huge success uh, in that regard. But uh, and then, of course, for winning the Oscar for Best Actress, which was the the only Oscar that this film did win. So, um, yeah, was it nominated for um, more? Because I feel like this is the only. Uh, one that was even nominated for. Yeah, I think you're actually right. I, I think this was the only thing that the that the movie was nominated for was Best Actress for Julianne Moore. Hey, one, uh, one in one. That's a pretty good batting average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Neil, like he, uh, Alec Baldwin, like very infamously, uh, like he was playing Wards of Friends, he wouldn't shut his phone down, and then, like, I think he threw punches, too. Like, he started... He got kicked off the plane because he started to scream at people, and, like, I think a punch might have been thrown, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, yeah. he got... So... He, so he got thrown off the plane for just being Alec Baldwin, a douchebag, <laughs> and not being kept on the plane because he's rich Alec Baldwin. Like I, Alec Baldwin was downfall regardless. I see. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think uh, we've kind of uh, we've kind of all forgiven Alec Baldwin for his portrayal of Trump, but it turns out he's like kind of a bad person. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is very. He is a very weird person. Very weird. Yeah. Um. Uh, what were the other two? What were the other two? Um. Uh, yeah. Trivia you gave. So this was filmed in 23 days and out of chronological order. Um. Mm. So that that was true. The, apparently, I I would imagine that seems that, very standard for um such small movies like this. Yeah. Although I was surprised because there were so many. There were a, a decent number of uh, characters in the film, but I'm I think. I'm guessing that the chronological, the uh, filming it out of chronological order was probably to work around like every time that they had the family get together. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing those were all shot back to back, even though they were, you know, separated by months yeah. or whatever in the f- timeline of the film. Yeah. Um, and that and doctor then, was probably on set for just like two days. Right. Yeah. They you probably know? filmed all the scenes with the doctor at the same time. So, yeah, that it makes sense. But, yeah, that's still it's always impressive to me when you have such a high quality production that happens that quickly. Um, mm. And then the fourth mm. one was uh, this role marks the fifth consecutive character with a mental illness to win an Oscar for Best Actress. And I I could bring up the list here. Let's I know it was uh, it was. Black Swan, I think, was the first one. Oh, sure. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look. So, Brie, okay. Uh, Julianne Moore, and then going back in time to 2013, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Uh, 2012 was Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, 2011 was Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady. And 2010 was Natalie Portman in Black Swan. So, a good streak of uh, Oscar bait movies that were <laughs> all pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very common thing. Because, um, I mean, I thought of, um, oh, the King's Speech in during this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, very two very different movies but there's like some weird parallels um 
during this. And then, of course, the King's Speech, famously, I think it won for Best Picture, and um, it got a lot of like acting nominations and wins, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, those uh, old white guys, <laughs> a part of the Academy, they love, like... Um, they love movies about disabilities. Yeah. But um, who doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let's get let's just dive into this film. So, um, a little behind the curtain, uh, I watched this movie today, right? Okay. And probably like. I probably finished it like an hour and a half ago. So the wounds uh, are still open <laughs> from me watching this movie. <laughs> I have not had time to heal. I'm still like definitely processing this movie. And like this movie just like fucked me up. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it has. I think it has incredible performances like across the board. Um, like, I mean, there's, this is a pretty small cast. Um, but, and and then of course, like, God, Julianne Moore, like, of course she won like the best actress nomination or the best actress for the Oscars. Cause she just, her performance is just like breathtaking. Um, but Dear God, this movie is like, <laughs> it's so relentless and, yes. and just like, like, I don't know how it, it feels real to me. Um, I don't know how like factual this movie is, but like all of it seems very uh, like real and it doesn't go, there's not these like big, huge moments. It's all just like these kind of like really small moments that you know are just like strung together to make this like this story that just seems very real to like what would actually happen um yeah. if you got this um this disease yeah i thought the same thing uh, uh there like you said there's no there's no like big emotional crescendos really it's just a onslaught of tiny moments that are just absolutely tragic I mean something as simple as just like forgetting where you are in your house like that that's just it's not it's not played up as like this giant dramatic moment it's just one of dozens throughout the movie that like basically has you on the verge of tears if not crying like literally the entire length of the movie like that it was I my I, I like had to keep like wiping my eyes not because I was like actively crying but because they were just like so welled up with tears that I couldn't see the screen <laughs> that the, just like the whole movie it sucked like this movie sucks but it's great like that's it, it's yeah. one of those movies that like I had already seen it before rewatching it for the podcast and I would have I before watching it again I would have said this is one of those movies that like I just won't watch again because I I don't need to subject myself to that again but mm-hmm. i i mean I, I did it for the podcast guys wow thank you tyler thank you <laughs> uh i i realized first impression that this movie i do i just don't have time for these movies in my life um these yep. specifically like i am at the point where it's like i don't need to subject myself to this like great performances and all that but like uh, it's just it's not for me it's not for me at all and then this movie also just kind of cut it just cut a little deep because I don't know do, did any of you have do you know of anybody in your family or anybody personally that had Alzheimer's no because no. uh, <laughs> I have a few family members that have had dementia but it's a little different you know yeah like my mm-hmm. grandfather had it and it's like it's so accurately disgusting like it's so hard like it's so hard to watch like especially like when you have something to relate to it i don't know like 
I was just like, I had to like take like luckily I watched on Crackle and I had a bunch of ad breaks that I could just take a break. But like, uh, that's also a, a jab. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Damn, I rented this. I yeah, didn't I did know too. It was on Damn. Crackle. I, I, it was free on Crackle, so that's what I watched on. But uh, I was just like, I it's just after a while, I was like, I. I like I just almost can't watch the rest of this. Like this is just too rough. Like I, that's what my like whole takeaway on it was without you know going into more detail, but damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's draining. It's very it's a very like draining movie and um like I kind of love like it was weird that like it's it's about like two professors and their family and I thought it was kind of weird that it was like it was a portrayal of just like two rich people that are like going through this thing mm-hmm. and but like I almost like that because they were two like very independent people mm-hmm. and then when like that basically it's like the idea of that getting stripped away uh, for like one of the one person and then like how like Alec Baldwin his character he's like every other scene he's just like he's like hey I gotta go I gotta like go to like Florida for this like work thing like uh, like I just have to do it and um, you know you see it early in the film that that's just like their relationship that they're constantly working and they're constantly apart but then, and then they have three grown children that I think are all, um, are all like not living in the same city. Um, they're all kind of spread out as well. And then just like, just that alone of like, you know, Ju- um, Alice, Julian Moore's character, like just losing her memory, like it basically becomes that she like, she can't be alone. Mm. Uh, she like needs constant um, surveillance, and it's kind of like that was very interesting to like to show that of just like a very independent family, and then just one person like loses that capability, and how mm-hmm. it just kind of uh, like um, Alec Baldwin's character just like never gets over it um, <laughs> until he like breaks down. And like, takes that job at the Mayo Clinic, and like, I it, it's alluded to that he has to like move away, or that he's mm-hmm. choosing to move away. Yeah, which is like super fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I also uh, struggled with that a little bit too, where uh, like the fact that these are two extremely affluent people. And you're, you know, you're being asked to like really sympathize and try to ignore that aspect of their lives almost. But I think you kind of really hit on the head there where it's kind of an example of how it doesn't matter who you are, like how intelligent you are, how much money you have. Like this is the one like ultimate equalizer, right? Like disease and especially um, mental disorders and diseases mm-hmm. like it is just painful to watch no matter who is afflicted with this like and I it plays on it plays on kind of a central fear too just like th- their affluence and intelligence that's demonstrated throughout the movie is kind of just a in general a good metaphor for uh, losing our minds right like we we Mm. everyone thinks of themselves as intelligent and so when you are when you're watching someone who is incredibly smart like lose pretty much everything they have it's incredibly affecting and it really makes you think about like good lord how would i handle this situation um it's a common theme like i they it's kind of uh reflected in things like of mice and men or um uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Flowers for Algernon, especially. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. haven't read or watched that. Um, it's just a really interesting human idea, like, that we are our brains. 
And like, if we, if something happens to our brains that we are effectively dead and that's what it felt like watching, like basically the last third of this movie, the final act of this movie, you felt like you were watching like a dead person, like a zombie, like it, it's fucking sucks. Like the, your family (laughs) has to watch you shamble around as like a shell of the person you used to be. And God, am I glad they didn't like. I'm glad they ended on like a somber yet like caring hopeful note rather than like following it all the way to her decline and death because that would have just been maybe a little too much (laughs) yeah I was actually thinking like surprised throughout the movie that there was like there was no kind of as you were saying earlier like emotional crescendo or anything like it was just a slow decline that didn't like sharply fall off at the end but just still ended and it i yeah it was just there was but there's nothing like up super uplifting about it like the most uplifting thing i guess would would have been like um whatever um crap what's her name Kristen. uh what's her face Kristen Stewart. stewart like hers was like the most kind of the most uplifting part of it where she kind of went to you know care for her mother and stuff like that and like what we need to do to for these people rather than like specifically mm-hmm. about that person who has it so yeah. i mean yeah. the biggest like the biggest like movie movie moment in this in this movie was uh when she found that she like kind of unknowingly found that video that she recorded um like of herself basically like telling her to like go kill herself yeah like it's like hey if it gets to the point where you can't remember like your own children's names like she get she got like uh like sleeping pills i think early on in the movie mm-hmm. and then she like never took them and she, she was just like like if it gets this bad then i'll just overdose on these which is like what a disturbing moment and then she like accidentally stumbled upon that video like when she was when she had gone like too far into um like memory loss and she like almost she was like okay it's a video of me telling me to go take like medicine I guess I'm gonna go do it and like that was like that was like the uh, like scariest part of this movie like I was yeah that was where it turned like that mm-hmm. that's where it turned into just utter and complete hopelessness and like I myself watching that I remember from the first time I watched this movie and how I am I was so conflicted in that sequence because I think the film does a really good job of being ultimately neutral in the way it's depicting that. Cause you said there's like some, there's tension and it's a little scary, but it, you're like not sure which, which direction it's scary in. Like, are you, are you rooting for her to succeed or fail? Mm-hmm. Like that's the big question. And I think if you ask, 10 different people you're going to get 10 different answers right like how they felt watching that sequence mm-hmm. i genuinely don't know how I, I feel it was so strange i was like flip-flopping back and forth between like oh oh she found it she'll actually be able to do what she wanted to do and then being like oh god this is dark like don't do it and then being like when the when the nurse comes in and interrupts her and she drops all the pills I'm like no like and then you're just like what am I what am I even rooting for here I'm so confused by how I feel about all this you know Mm. yeah my god it was uh, that was um, yeah I don't know exactly how I feel about this uh, about that scene um i mean i know when i i when i was watching it i didn't want her to go through with it because i felt like she was just like unknowingly she didn't know what she was doing right Mm -hmm. right um i think that's like what really disturbed me about it Um, yeah it's a really philosophical question though right like she her her previous self wanted it 
And so it's like, it's such a strange conundrum, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's not aware of what she's maybe not fully aware of what she's doing in the moment, but like, that's what she would have wanted. It's what she explicitly wanted. Like right. she literally put forth the yeah, <laughs> chain of yeah. events to get her to that place. And like, it, it made me think like, man, this is obviously she didn't feel comfortable enough talking to her husband who could have helped facilitate this, right? Mm. Like he could have, mm. he could have been asking her these questions every day and had taken it into his own hands, if and decided if that's you know if that those were her wishes and she really wanted to do it, like he could have done it and like by not trusting him to follow through with what she wished her end of life to be she was kind of like tossing the dice right she didn't know what the rest of her life would look like or feel like but i think the picture painted at the very end was at least at least showing that she wasn't suffering at least in like the sense that we might think um you know people with like cancer or something like that would suffer right like i'm sure it's there are days that for people like that where it's terrifying right but uh, she seemed when she's with her daughter and has moments of fleeting recognition like at least she seemed happy she was smiling but man you just don't know right like if that were me what what would i want and i i mean i honestly tend to to (laughs) lean towards wanting to go through with what she had planned for if it were myself like i don't know i don't know if i would want to be that burden on my family you know right yeah right i generally lean that same that same way it and uh, well one of the things that you brought up cancer which kind of like was a tough like a tough conversation that she brought up is that she said she'd rather have cancer oh, and man. like oh, that yeah, I was yeah. like Christ like this like <laughs> is so like I don't yeah. understand like how like I, that is such a hard thing to, and like uh, if you were anybody else that wasn't her in that situation trying to talk to her about that like Oh my God! Good luck. Like, have, like I don't even know. Like, what you could even say about it? Like, that's nuts. yeah. That's, yeah, one of those... that's like the they get like her, her like struggling with just the acceptance of um of her diagnosis. Like, they get that that down so well because there's stuff like that. The the comment where she's just like, I wish it was cancer because like it it would probably be so much worse. But like we just know like so like she knows so much more about cancer and like everyone will be rooting for her and like we you know wearing pins and uh yeah. walking in parades and all that stuff and then she's like uh she makes jokes about it too like when she forgets about the like dinner party with her husband and she's like sorry I forgot I have Alzheimer's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and that's like yeah. uh, you know it's um, it's uh, deflective is like what when we make jokes about that uh, when we're struggling through something it's it's a deflective tactic mm-hmm. um, um, I I'm really interested in the towards the middle of the film I guess where um, we kind of have the the high note I guess as far as like emotional high note of her giving her speech mm-hmm. um, so she she's obviously involved in um, you know science through her academics at her college where she taught and she's specifically uh, she's not is she a neurologist an actual neurologist she's like a language uh something or other she works with like language yeah but i don't know if it's a neurologist thing uh yeah something about she specifically discusses like how language is um derived from processes in the brain and stuff so she you know she has a foundation and understanding of uh anatomy and and uh the way that brains work and so it, she was invited to give a speech at the Alzheimer's Foundation or whatever organization it was. And I found that that like the lead up to that really fascinating. Um, it, the, she's taking uh, she's reciting her speech to her daughter over Skype or whatever. And she 
uh, has to use a highlighter to like mark off what she's already read or else she would mm-hmm. just keep reading the same lines over and over. Yeah. And like it's those the little things like that that throughout the movie when she explains how she has had to adapt to her new deficiencies that like really put it in perspective for you like just the simplest little things that you take for granted like being able to remember the previous line of text you read you read like mm-hmm. that just really hits you hard in those moments mm-hmm. and then they get into a big fight because she is uh, the daughter like suggests that um, she uh, go uh, she reread the script like just do another run through mm-hmm. of the speech and they get into a huge fight because uh, Alice is just like I can't do it because it's already highlighted right like, yeah and then they don't make a the movie like doesn't even mention it but when she's doing that run through it's all like technical jargon like it's mm-hmm. all this like very like thesis paper level um kind of speech and then the daughter suggests to like make it more personal and then when they go when she goes and actually gives the speech it's all personal like everything Mm -hmm. she read off is just scrapped and then the actual speech is just all like personal about how she's feeling and how she's like getting through right um it which i thought was uh really incredible and touching and then like the movie just like doesn't even they don't even mention it like, right yeah that that kind of character development is really really awesome when like the when she was so she was objecting to having to rewrite any part of it because it had taken her like three days to mm-hmm. do the previous version that she recited for her daughter like that her emotion in that moment was just like complete and utter frustration like knowing that perhaps her daughter's right but she just she doesn't have the strength to maybe go back and try again to to rewrite or even reread it and then when she when you see her present it and she's taken her daughter's suggestion to heart it's just like wow like she really that that connection between mother and daughter like is really stronger than in the third act when the daughter comes back to take care of her Uh, like and and like you said they don't they don't talk about it like she doesn't they don't have you see a montage of her being like yeah i will make it more personal and Mm -hmm. like i'll ask for i'll ask other people for anecdotes about how i'm handling things and it's like no she just goes up there and does it and you you it's revealed to you that she took that advice and it's it's just really cool Mm -hmm. yeah and Kristen Stewart wasn't even there, so she doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, uh, oh, okay, so he's, uh, when she says it took her three days to write the speech, is that long or is that quick? I'd borderline on quick, but then again, she's really smart, so maybe it's long. I, I actually don't know. I mean... If, what if do, the what length... do you think her reading, that line reading was? Like, what does the movie, like, I mean, with her memory problems, like, it's probably quick to write a speech in three days. I was, I was going to say that that would, uh, it seemed realistically long, like a long time. Because yeah? if you think, if you think of how long she actually presented when she did give her speech, it was like less than 10 minutes. Like, I mean, you could, you can pump out a like five to 10 minute speech in a couple hours. And I'm imagining when she says it took me three days, I'm thinking like it, like not just like a few hours for each day for three days. I'm thinking like she spent Mm. literally three days, 72 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, you know, she's stressing about it every waking (laughs) hour for three days and like really struggling, you know, Mm. that's fair. That's yeah. Yeah. That's hardcore. I mean, yeah, yeah. When she said it was like this took me three days, and I'm like, okay, like that's not long. 
<laughs> right. Like we're we're thinking in terms of how long it took us to write like a paper in college, and you work on it for like a half hour for three nights. You know. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> You're like, God, I've been slaving over this. It's time for a break. <laughs> it's time to go play some video games. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, there's so... I don't know what more... I don't know what more can be said but about this movie, but there's... It's just, like, so many little moments in this movie that I think just make it so powerful. Like, when uh, her and Kristen Stewart's character, like, they get into a fight because uh, she uh, read her journal and, like, learned something that was secret... And then, like, the next day, um, she was like, hey, we got into a fight, but I don't remember. Like, I don't remember what it was for. Like, can you explain it to me? And, like, that, it's it, it's just, like, a whole bunch of little stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to touch, actually, on, a, like, a little technical detail they did as in their filming process that I thought was really cool. Um, was their use of like lens focus? Like I don't know oh, if you literally, literally no. just kind of talk oh, about that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, like yeah. it's where like Julian Moore would be in focus, but then like the entire rest of the scene would be completely out of focus. Right. They they used it they good. used it as like her memory came in and out. So like as she would lose memory of something or be in one of her. Uh, fits or whatever I'll say like you, everything would become less focused like you noticed it the first time it happened like she's out on a run and like all of a sudden like you thought she's like getting out of breath and you weren't 100% sure what was going on but like everything just everything but her just kind of left focus and like mm-hmm. yeah she's on the campus that she works at right, too right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and like you don't know if she's having like at this point she hasn't discovered she has Alzheimer's yet but she it's you're kind of almost inclined to think that's what it is already, but um, it's just... And throughout the movie, they they use that really well, too. Another really good scene that they use it in is actually it's after one of Kristen Stewart's plays. Like, so she goes yeah. backstage yeah. to meet her, and as she gets closer and closer to Kristen Stewart, like, she becomes more and more in focus, but, like, she's not in focus. Like, as if she does not know who this person is. And she doesn't, mm-hmm. actually, when she first, like, talks to her like it's crazy like i thought that was so yeah, well done she, she asks like uh she's like oh are you gonna be she asks like oh what other like work are you doing or like are you gonna be like staying here or she like asks like can we see you in other stuff or something like that yeah right um and then yeah someone was just like yo this is your daughter <laughs> yeah remember her yeah mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, and then that that progresses to the one of the final scenes where they do that, where she's you know very far progressed in her disease, and she's just sitting in like a robe on a couch in their house, and her husband and three children are sitting around a table on the other side of the room, and they're just talking about her as if she's not even there. And she's mm-hmm. just kind of staring off into the distance. And it's it's usually from, like, behind her own head. So it's just, like, her hair is in focus, and then literally everything else is out of focus. But you can see, you know, the out-of-focus family members across the room, and you can hear what they're saying. But mm-hmm. it's just, like, it perfectly represents, I feel like, the... Like, she's probably you know she's listening she can hear them Mm -hmm. and she's probably just you know only comprehending some of it or you know she's she's hearing all of it and understanding all of it but she doesn't know like who they are or remember what they're saying like if they're talking about past events and just how disorienting that would be you know and that that effect you're you're talking about with the focus stuff is just it was just a perfect way to represent that like being kind of trapped inside yourself Mm -hmm. yeah Um. yeah and then that scene uh um, the scene where her and her husband go to like Pinkberry or something and mm-hmm. they get a uh, frozen yogurt and it, they're just like looking out the window and he's like kind of like talking about buildings and stuff and then there's a point where he looks at her 
and he's like, Alice, do you still want to be here? And her response is like, she's like, yeah, I'm not finished with my yogurt. And it's like, so that's like such a heartbreaking question to ask. Yeah. It's like more heartbreaking that like she doesn't understand the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how like, and I, I don't know the science behind this at all really, but like it was interesting how that presented very similarly to like how a child would react to that question. Like, yeah, they just don't understand the context of what you're talking about outside of like their immediate surroundings. And so mm-hmm. they assume that whatever you're saying is related to like what they are doing in that moment, what they have in their hands or where they are that like, they just have trouble grasping like abstractness, you know, and that, that yeah. in that moment, when you see like, this woman who is just incredibly intelligent and demonstrate that early on in the film is reduced to like the response of a three-year-old child. It just is so fucking hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. 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 (laughs) Um, you let's get into final thoughts. Um, for every movie, uh, we'll give Julian Moore a rating of one to five Julians on, uh, how we thought about her performance in this movie. Um, yeah, I'll go first. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this has to be like a five out of five Julians, right? Um, I don't know. This is a movie that, like, I don't think I would ever recommend to anyone because, yeah, it's so hard to watch and it's so gut wrenching. And it just, like, drains the life out of you. But also, like, she is so incredible in this movie. And all the awards she got were, like, much deserved. And it's um, it's just one of those, like, you know, it's like, it's an Oscar. Uh, like, I don't know. It, it's an oscar Beatty movie, but it really doesn't go. It really doesn't go for, like you know, the big moments, uh, mm-hmm. like I likened this to the King's speech, um, earlier. And like that movie is just like, you know, it's, it's like, it's set during like world war two, I think, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. And then like, it's about a, it's about a King who he has to give this, a, this speech to his public to like, you know, uh, like, keep them like calm during this hard time like obviously like these two movies scale wise are much different but like that movie is so rousing and like the music it just like builds like to these moments and it's just kind of like like it's just feels like this soulless um just kind of like tugging at your heartstrings like just to tug at your heartstrings and like this movie like when she gives this speech it's just like it's so simple and but it's like so emotional and it's all it's everything building up to it all these little small things from just like just her performance just Julian's Julian Moore's performance uh, it's just like really crushing and very effective. So, uh, yeah, five out of five Julians. Um, Neil, uh, what about you? Yeah, I'd have to say as far as performance and like film quality goes, five out of five, definitely. I I still, yeah, I would not like really recommend it for like casual viewing. Like see it once because it's, it's it's objectively pretty good. So like, uh, but like it does deal with very uh, hard real life subject matter that seemed very accurate. And like, and that's the hardest part about it is that it it is accurate and just a tough thing to deal with that er- like many people probably have gone through. So like, uh, but performance wise, it was such a a good movie that like I would totally recommend seeing it once but like then like I, there's no reason to see it again because you are going to be spent just drained of like emotional energy 
but yeah, I'll give it a five out of five. Brilliant performances. Julian Moore was great. We saw some of her great ugly crying like we do in everything. Oh, yeah. So like she did not disappoint. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to give this a five out of five Julian's. Uh, and I think I, I I maybe even give it a stronger recommendation than you guys did, just because I think and I I put this movie in a category of films that is maybe more has more in similar uh, more more similar with like important documentaries mm. where it's like it's not it's not a movie you're watching for enjoyment like it's not a movie you're you're watching to escape from reality for a couple hours it's it's literally just important to watch because it gives you a window a window into something important that you may may not have exposure to in your day-to-day life like for some people sure they they have first-hand experience with alzheimer's right like they know what it's like they don't need to watch this movie but for other people, like Alzheimer's is just this thing you hear about on the news, like they're trying to cure it and that makes people forget stuff. And you don't know what it does to people like there. I think movies like this have this really strong ability to like kickstart our empathy. Like it just gives us a reminder of like how how much we have to be thankful for and like that real people experience this and it's not just a, a word it's not just some science word you know right like there's there's a lot to be said for the fact that this is a work of fiction and not a documentary that I think you could maybe criticize but like I I almost think that it's it would be even harder to watch an actual documentary of someone literally going through this experience so in that regard, um, you can at least admire. You can find something to admire here in the performances and how incredibly well everyone plays off each other. So yeah, it's. I'm. I don't think it's like. It's definitely not the best movie uh, of Julianne Moore's, but it is her best performance in a movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to recommendations uh for on every episode we'll leave you guys with some recommendations um that don't necessarily have to be movie related so neil you want to start us off with your recommendation sure thing uh i don't remember if i ever touched on this on previous seasons i don't think i did but my recommendation this week is the netflix series dark um it is uh uh ten well it's got it's season two just recently came out Um, probably by the time this came out a month ago or maybe a month and a half ago. Um, I've yet, I've watched the first episode of that, but the whole first season came out in 2018. Um, It's a awesome sci-fi, like German 10 episode series on Netflix that it's like stranger things, but with no pun intended, darker. Um, (laughs) uh, It's, it's got heavier. Well, I wouldn't say heavier subject matter, but it's, got a weird cool like time travel like uh or dimensional type thing going on in like this little german town and it's it's awesome like the performances are all good um it's one of those that's kind of hard to keep track of who's who because they do play in different timelines and things like that but uh and like there's a lot of relationships within this little town that you kind of got to keep track of, but like, it's a phenomenal show. Um, and just the start of season two that I've caught so far, it doesn't look like it's going to disappoint either. And hopefully either expand on this or kind of answer some of the questions that were from like the first season, but I highly recommend it. Um, it's, it's great. Uh, the English dub isn't really that good, but the, uh, Mm in my opinion anyway but like it's 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 a good show to watch um with subs if you're if you're interested uh, oh so yeah you're watching it with subtitles yes okay uh cool. that's cool that they um they offer both i don't know how many netflix show netflix like shows or movies mm-hmm. do that right cool yeah i heard i also heard that like 
the time travel is like primer level of <laughs> like yeah. you have to like keep track of all these timelines and stuff. Yeah, I, I've. I've literally heard people recommend to wait. The, it's it's only going to be, I guess, three seasons. And I've heard people mm. who really love the show recommend waiting until all three seasons are out <laughs> so you don't get confused. It, like, well, we started watching season two and we watched season one way back when it came out. So we got into season two, watched the first episode and we're like, what the fuck is going on? So we just pretty much just binged the first season again. So that's actually a pretty good, uh, that's actually a good recommendation. That's that's what I've heard. Everyone who started watching the second season after having like a year break was like, fuck this. I got to go watch the first season again. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, Tyler, uh, what do you got to recommend? Uh, so I'm going to recommend a pretty lighthearted fare. I have been really into a YouTube channel called Bon Appetit. And as you might imagine, it is a cooking channel. But um, I am I am not someone who is particularly fond of cooking or even really like that uh, invested in like eating high quality well prepared meals like I, I'm more utilitarian when it comes to food but there's something just like so awesome about this show it's a it's a channel um, that I, I actually don't even know what their um, like primary mode of income is but they have like this crazy test kitchen uh, in New York City and a bunch of cooks there. I, I don't remember what the context is, but the Bon Appetit show on YouTube is, well, it's several shows actually. They're, they have a bunch of cooks that have like their own thing that they do there. Um, and there's two in particular that are really awesome that I want to shout out. Uh, one is called Gourmet Eats, I think, or Gourmet Recreations, something like that, where um, this chef named Claire, she tries to create gourmet versions of like, gas station candy bars and shit like <laughs> like she she'll take oh, yes. just like I've heard um, about this she'll yeah. take like Kit Kats or whatever and like try to make a like as close of a approximation of a Kit Kat as possible but just using way better ingredients um and she's done like bizarre ones like Twizzlers and Doritos and like just the craziest weirdest stuff where you're just like oh my god I can't wait to see how she does this like it's just so fascinating to see like I think the the part of the show that makes me really love it is that it's not just like somebody standing in front of a camera saying like here's exactly how you do it you put this and this and the thing and you mix it up and you put it in the oven for 24 hours and it's like I that doesn't interest me in the slightest what interests me about this show is that it's all problem solving because she starts out having no idea how to do it she's just a pastry chef I think and and so she's trying to use her existing knowledge of like how she would have made something like this and just experiments until she gets it as close as possible to the original thing. And it's just like she's constantly screwing up, constantly failing and like laughing at herself and trying to like ask her coworkers for help. And it's just really, really um, I don't know, there's something really special about it. And Claire, the the host, is like so personable and funny and sweet and so it's really fun to watch um the other one is called it's alive and um <laughs> it's by it, it, the host is his name is brad and he's another chef that he actually pops up in the gourmet recreations videos all the time because he's he's absolutely hilarious um but he goes he goes like they're on location cooking episodes basically where he goes to some crazy location and he either like hunts live animals to get their meat to prepare a meal or he goes and like gathers does like gathering of uh plants and stuff um and so like he'll go to hawaii and go spear fishing with a native hawaiian and then like cook it up right there on the beach it's he's absolutely hilarious and the other part about this show that i love is that they it's it's really high production values but the editing style is really funny because they don't 
they they don't keep just the good parts. Like they are constantly using what would be outtakes, and they're just leaving them in the the episode, and it's hilarious. Like just really fun to watch this guy interact with new people from around the world, and he's like so just from New York City, you know. Nice. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend this YouTube channel. They're long videos, and you'll get into a giant uh, internet wormhole by checking them out. It's uh, <laughs> Bon Appetit on YouTube. Cool. Um, so, last night, I got I got the opportunity to go see a performance from Erica uh, Winterstrom, and this is the lead singer of Heartless Bastards and she has released a um, a solo album, a new solo album called Sweet Unknown and uh, I saw her in a record store and it was just this tiny, tiny room, there's probably like 30 people in there and she played with her full band of like five musicians and it, she just like completely blew me away. I was absolutely um, just like floored by how incredible she was. Um, I've I've listened to a lot of Heartless Bastards, and I'm a fan of their music. And I had no idea that she uh, like released this solo album. And I like cannot stop listening to it today it's so incredible um so yeah that's uh sweet unknown by eric erica winterstrom um it's very like uh it's very like rock music um it kind of has like um i kind of has a country like vibe to it um that's probably like too reductive but if you're a fan of kind of like um more hard rock um i think you'll really love this album uh so um yeah look that up and i she's on tour now um i was talking to her bassist after the show and they're playing at uh um, so I saw her on Tuesday, and then on Friday of this week, they're playing at Red Rock in Colorado, that huge like amphitheater. Oh yeah! And I we were just kind of like laughing that it's like wow, you could not like it's like two sides of the spect- spectrum, like this tiny, <laughs> tiny record store, and then this then they're going to play this huge amphitheater. So. Um, her, I'm sure, man, I'm sure that's just a incredible show. Um, getting that band, I was just uh, completely blown away by their performance, and their album is is absolutely incredible. Um, all right, so that's it for this episode of Credits Due. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And listening in, uh, we are we got only just two movies left um, about uh, talking about Julianne Moore, and so we're gonna finish strong. Uh, I'm really excited to watch these next two movies, and our next one uh, in two weeks is Maps to the Stars, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. So. Um, I remember this movie came out. It was very critically acclaimed, um, like most David Cronenberg movies. So uh, I have not seen it though, and I but I have a feeling that we're in for a treat. Yeah, I haven't um, seen this either. I'm excited. Yes, uh, yeah, very very excited. I think it's also a like ensemble movie. So there's a lot of. Um, there's a we have big list of some pretty great actors so uh should be a good time so hope you join us again in two weeks for maps to the stars and until then uh tyler why don't you drop uh, some plugs on us 
Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen, and you can find me on my website where I make video games at randomseedgames.com. You can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neilman. You can find me on Twitter at Cron Master. That's C R O G H A N Master. And you can follow the show at Credits Do Pod. Um, and until then, uh, or I hope you'll join us again in two weeks for when we discuss Maps to the Stars. And until then, remember as always, it took me three weeks to write this. That's that's a long time. Three weeks! Shit, I screwed it up. It took me three days to write this. (laughs) (laughs) Screw it up. It took me three days to write this. There, you got it there. I didn't even write down days. (laughs) No, you didn't. I totally screwed that up. It took me three to write this. (laughs) It took three to write this. (laughs) (laughs) Keep all this in. (laughs) 